Hello, Jennifer Jordan. I am so, so happy to have you here as my guest on Unfounded. Uh, our topic today is ageism and its impact on women and startup culture. Um, usually I try to come up with lighthearted, clever titles uh, for each episode. You know me, that's kind of mm -hmm. like, I'm a tongue in cheek kind of person. But this topic is so viscerally important to me that every time I tried to be clever or cute, I actually just got more and more enraged that this um, had to be a topic. So uh, when I tried to be clever, here's what I came up with instead of ageism and its impact on women. Uh, ageism, one more way that men ruin everything. Um, <laughs> ageism, put that in your misogynistic pipe and smoke it. And then lastly, my favorite was punish me twice. How women, both young and old, are brutalized by society's obsessions with our bodies. So as it turns out, ageism and its impact on women in startup culture was actually pretty fun by comparison. Um, so here yeah. we are today. And when I think about this topic, uh, I can't think of, of anyone that I've thought about it more or learned about it more with you. Um, and uh, as you know, we have three questions that we're going to mm -hmm. explore this topic with. One that looks to the past, one that looks to the present, uh, and one that looks in the future. And as you also know, we've given each other a sneak peek at questions one and two about the past and the present. But the question three, the one about the future, that is the wild card. And That's we have not summer. shared that with each other in advance. Yep. Uh, and it, no formal bios on the show. But for anyone watching or listening, you can read about Jennifer's experience as an entrepreneur, as a technologist, as a mentor, as an investor, uh, as an everything uh, in the show notes. Um, but instead of a formal bio, I've asked Jennifer to pick three words that she thinks describes her before we dive into this conversation. So Jennifer, three oh, words. Three words, fierce, but kind. Fierce, but kind. That's three words. It's uh, three words. You and I win, think it describes me. You win the three word innovation award. No one has attempted to do that yet. But that not again, I say this every time you do not need me to affirm your three words, but I am going to affirm them anyway. I stand for you describing yourself uh, in that way. Fierce but kind. That is that yeah. is the you that I've come to know and love over the years. Um, all right, Jennifer, get in the time machine. We're going to the past. Uh, I'm going to ask you to look backwards for this question. Yeah. Um, rather than generalize abstractly. Uh, about ageism. Can you share a little bit about your experience as a woman in tech and the impact that gender-based ageism has had on your journey? Oh, my word. I it know. Is, I know. You're asking me to just unpack a whole, <laughs> whole lot. So um, age-based age sexism is kind of where we're living here. And I think that there are two parts of that. One is and I think I'm going to turn around and end up asking you this question, but I think that one of the things that happens happened to me is that when you're young and you're a woman, we don't get given credibility because we're too young. And then we're supposed to be pretty and interesting and all those other things, but not necessarily smart, super good at your job, a hard ass when you, excuse my language, can we say that here when you need to be all those things? So I think that I can certainly say that when I was starting out as an equity research analyst, people looked at me with skepticism, like who is this chick and what is she doing here in my office? And I've also even had the thing where I was a slightly older chick in my career, reasonably successful, you know, senior VP, senior analyst, and had young 24 year old guys questioning my experience in a way that was, you know, like they were gonna try to shock me about things or other stuff, yeah. so that. Um, and then I think as an 
older woman, I made the transition to venture capital when I was 45. And I went back to school to do my MBA as like a gray haired lady. And one of the things that was really, really, a veritable geezer in startup land, in startup land, despite the fact that all the evidence that says that actually that's when people make the biggest and most profound companies, but whatever. And, and, and we can talk about women individually face, but I'm 46, I'm 46 right now. I'm peaking. I got, I got a couple on you there, but, uh, but I can tell you is that, um, when I went out to start interviewing, it was really tough because then all the experience that I had accumulated that makes me a great investor yeah. didn't count for anything. In fact, people perceived it as worse that I had had training and knew what I, you know, knew some things and had some, some thoughts, but also wanted to go and, and get experience within a firm versus just founding my own, which maybe have been, maybe was was another way that socialization and ageism and women's the perception of women's experience was internalized in me like I could have just gone and started something but like many women of my generation I thought I should learn about it before I went and did it yeah punish yeah. me twice punish, punish me twice, twice. <laughs> that um, was yeah. that title number two so yeah I think I, I, I may I I may go back two times the punishment. Yes, I think we've made this episode has punished me twice. It's been pretty good. Um, all right, uh, Jennifer, take me to the past. Okay, I'm taking you. I'm taking you to the past. And my thing for the past is a thing that really bothers me right now. And this is the thing about as women, we're not alone. Not allowed to like own our history. It's forgotten. And so for me, that was struck in this article last that's been circulating this whole past year about there's only 20 or 25 women that ever have IPO'd a company, but the list starts in like 1990 or something. And the very first woman that I know of to have IPO'd was in 1972. Yeah. Her name was Sandy Kurtzig. And she bootstrapped a company with $2,000 and she grew it into a multi hundred million dollar company nearly a billion dollar company. And she was the CEO. And at the time it was one of the 10 largest software companies in the world. And didn't make the list. Didn't make the list. And she founded another company in 2011, a large venture backed company in the manufacturing supply chain space and, and mm-hmm. like completely forgotten. So my question for you, is there another woman entrepreneur? She doesn't have to have IPO'd a company whose story you would share to inspire other women? Somebody that you've seen, observed on your journey that- that No, I think, no. Oh, fascinating. I mean, I'm gonna come at it two ways. The answer is no, because my own history has been obscured from me. I've been deprived those stories. They're not top of mind. They weren't valued. They're not the narrative that I internalized o- over the last two decades as I went on my own journey. So, no, I. But that. I know, but that's not because they're not out there. Um, right. I mean, I think realistically there are fewer women in those roles. I mean, we we know that. But no, I think part of the erasure of history, and this is true for women, for uh, for particularly for Black Americans in this in yeah. this country, the erasure of this history as though we never were and only now are becoming isn't fair 
uh, correct, right, just, or even helpful. There have been women entrepreneurs forever. They may have been marginalized, uncelebrated. They didn't get the cover story in TechCrunch, but they have been there. Same as there have been black people building incredibly successful businesses, at, but but because if a tree falls in the woods. And so right, I think, right. uh, so yeah, my answer, I was asked recently to fill out an application for a fellowship and they asked me about who were my role models. Right. And I was like, I had none. I had, I had very good mentors. I had men who supported me along the way, but that's not the same as a role model. I wasn't, I wasn't modeling myself after them. I didn't see myself in them. What they were were advocates and helpers who were filling in some blanks and taking me on along the way. But no, I so that, that I don't have right. a passionate list of female founders that have inspired me is a real fucking problem. It and I think it speaks, to, it speaks to that. So yeah, yeah. the, the, and the I answer think is I don't have Like we sort of remember and then we forget. And for me, part of that is yes. when I graduated college, right? We know that thing about the number of women with engineering and CS degrees graduating the two years before me hit its peak, like 37%. And then we went down to below 17 or something. Yeah. And now we're on the upswing. Two really interesting yeah. things in there though. Women didn't go away. Women getting advanced degrees, masters and PhDs, that continued to grow steadily yeah. that whole time. Completely. So yes, I think that um, I hope in the future when you ask me that question or when you ask another woman that question in the future, another woman asks another woman that question that she will be able to answer it in a much better way. Um, okay, we're back to today. We're in the present day. Okay. Present <laughs> time. Um, so again, um, kind of, we're, we're mirroring each other a lot in these questions. So while we see more women in startup culture now in different roles, more as, you know, as founders, and then we're certainly seeing more women come in as fund managers, uh, it still feels weirdly dehumanized to me. Um, God forbid a female founder get pregnant or need to take time off to take care of her aging parents. It's like the sign says women are welcome, but the, um, but in reality, women's experiences are still not welcome and they're really, really taboo. So my question to you is first, oh what the fuck is up with that? And second, <laughs> how are you helping the women you uh, invest in, mentor and advise to navigate this, this, this thing between yeah. women are welcome, but your experiences are not? Oh, this is such a deep and meaty question, first of all. And the way that I, I guess I think about this a couple different ways. One is that just, just the question of, can this be a problem and why can't we accept the human aspects of women? You know, there's a fundamental policy thing there, which is that we gotta have family leave and we've gotta have people who believe in that to make any type of difference and men have to take it as well as women. Um, and, and otherwise we never end the mommy penalty, right? But in terms of the founders today, I think this is one of those other myths like we're not allowed to see women doing this. You're supposed to hide it. But in the female founders program last, last semester in the fall, I had two founders in the course of this big tech stars accelerator while they were going out to raise their series A have babies during the process. Yeah. And you know what? They just kept running their companies and they yeah. took their maternity leave. They figured out how to plan it with their co-founder and they made it happen. And I think the important thing there is that Thing that we were just talking about if we don't make it visible that this is a yeah. totally doable normal totally natural doable. thing that women do yeah and it's a problem like i had i've had women tell me that like they're pitching and they're pregnant and they make sure i'm stepping into the the like blazing light in my office they make sure that the 
baby bumpers out of the, the, the Zoom nowadays. They can get away with hiding it. Yeah. Like, I think it's better just the more we're out with it. But it yeah. is a double, it's one of those, we'll, what did you say? Well, we'll screw you twice. Yeah. Punish me twice. <laughs> Punish me twice. All right, Jennifer, hit me up with your question about the present. So my question about the present is, um, I think we have a Goldilocks syndrome that there is no age when you have the right amount of experience, like you're too young or you're too a mother or you're too old. And I, I want to know, what have you seen female founders do to try to overcome some of those biases, especially when they're fundraising? Because you're so good at turning experience into an asset. Yeah, I think that there's, there's, I'm seeing a generational shift. So I think there's the way women my age dealt with it. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a way that a new generation of women founders are dealing with it. And one of my realizations, I, I think I've, I've talked to you about this before was I became really aware about a, about two years ago of a great risk in for me mentoring these women was that I, that I should not and cannot bequeath upon them my coping mechanisms, that I need mm -hmm. to let them pick their battles and choose to take punches or dodge punches in a way that feels natural and organic to them. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing now kind of to your, to your point on the last question, um, a little less sensitivity around it and a little more um, a bullishness around taking it head on. Um, I think where we have residual challenges here are on the stakeholders and the people in power who are older and are, are men and are even older women who are, are white knuckling our patterns, old patterns, and, and mm -hmm. still expecting those entrepreneurs to fit into them. I yeah, think yeah. there's gonna there's still collateral damage there, and that burning off the ether of that is still gonna it's still a real barrier. But I think there's a whole generation of founders that is coming like a tsunami, and they're eroding these power structures in ways that we couldn't stop even if we wanted to. Uh, oh, and, I that, and I think uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of this opportunity now is to get out of the way and give them forum, and then decide and pick and pick the places where you want to intervene and help and and. And, and inform and learn. But really, I think at this point, there, there's a whole new generation that just doesn't believe in the structures that we were taught to have, uh, to feel that they were permanent, even if they were terrible, whether like that's that, government, that yeah, whatever it is, yeah, like whether it's government, and family yeah. and work. The, yeah. it, these are, there's a whole new generation of people that, that are global citizens, digital natives, do not believe in old hierarchies, just don't believe, just don't believe in the things that, that we believed in, even if we spent our lives teaching ourselves to unbelieve. They yeah. just don't even believe. So I think a well, lot I of what's happening now is to get, like, to get out of the way. I think getting, them, getting, out of, getting that out of the way. I also think giving, when you, when you see women who've successfully navigated it or are navigating it real time, giving them expo giving other women exposure to those women as yeah. they're going through it makes a huge difference a huge right? difference yes yeah. two founders Definitely. we have another founder right now um heather ames here in in boston of Nerala systems is a great example of somebody who's navigated this family childhood thing well and she's just been a tremendous resource to other women concerned. yeah i think that's really important okay all right uh buckle up we're going to the future now get in your time machine okay yep. I'm ready. Again, 
in a future world, the spectrum of women's lived experience is as normalized as those of men. Okay, future world. Um, it is not weird to have your period at work. A hot flash is about as weird as a burp on Taco Tuesday. Uh, in this world, what do the history books often cite as the early signs that the tides had finally changed um, and, and irrevocably shifted? So like what, what's the harbinger that they say that, uh, that was uh, the harbinger of a world without patriarchy? Oh my God, that's such a good question. Um, harbingers of a world without patriarchy. Because you know all history books Women like to do that. They like to be kind of trite and reductionist. At the same level as men. Okay. Founders of color represents our spectrum. Um, I think another thing is that we no longer hear that women have challenges with communication. Mm. That's not an and that's not an issue. Like we are heard and heard for what we have and bring to the table. Um, I think we see uh, a world where you could have nine Supreme Court justices that are mm. all women. Right. To, to me, those are things that are harbingers that that we've really changed. And in the meantime, I think there's steps along the way, like yeah. taking more seriously. I talked about family leave. I think making places where there's safety in startups or other where VCs pick up some of the HR role that's missing, mm. be able to navigate the issues that small teams with no structure have around communication yeah. and around family leave and those things. I think it's on us to make those things happen and happen the way we want to see them. Amen. All right, home stretchly. Launch home me into tomorrow. Stretchly. Ask me about the future. Hold on, let me make sure I'm on my future question. Um, to me, having diversity of experience, age, gender, culture, race, is just a critical part in being able to see opportunities and create value. And um, I'm curious about in the future or in the, in the future companies that you see that would take a unique perspective on the world born out of that kind of experience. I think just based on what I'm already seeing with the younger founders is we're not just going to, they're not just going to change the rules. I think they're going to redefine value in ways that are going to be difficult for those of us who will live long enough to, to want to participate. I think that what is value? What does it mean to create value? What does it mean to create wealth, prosperity? What does it mean to be successful? I think we've taken for a very long time the answers to those questions in startup culture as canonical, as sort mm -hmm. of like delivered from the mount, right? On, right, on right, the, right. you know, and as, right. as, as religion and as though they came from a spiritual being from the beyond and not from, you know, 10 guys, you know, who, you know, left PayPal. Like there's yep. so much going on there that I, I think the, the, you know, I've said a couple of times today that, you know, the genie is out of the bottle, the horse has left the barn. I, I believe for better and, and for discomfort, I don't wanna say worse, but for discomfort, there we can't go backwards. Globalization, yeah. changing values and beliefs around power structures, the flattening of hierarchies, the, 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 the parts of the world, it's really only certain parts of the world that, right. that refuse to, 
believe that this is happening. And it happens to be a half of America. The right. rest of the world is much I, more. You know what I think about this? Like, you, this so. you said it really, really well. I think one of the signs of change that this is really changing is not just is that it's not just young women. No, I mean, it's you still that glorious diamond yeah, you know, waving the banner, it's but but women 55 and over are founding companies and innovating yeah. things. They're founding not-for-profits, recognizing that totally. this ageism is a problem. It's 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 now we're really in the place where multiple generations are pulling together. Yes. And maybe that's one of the biggest harbingers of change is that that we're saying like Sandy can go and found a company at 63 and raise hundreds of millions of dollars of venture capital when she did it once before in 1972. Yeah. And all the women along the way in that continuum are, are out making this change happen. Yeah, it's global. And I don't think, and I don't, and I think feminism is, is also about social justice um, and it's about racism and it's about uh, classism. And I think we learned a lot from looking at, at the women who came before us and what they did well and what they did poorly. And I, I think this is a phenomena that we can't stop. Now, it will be uncomfortable, disruptive. There'll be collateral damage. It won't be a quick battle. It's going to be a long war. I and, think I, you know, like you, uh, what is it? The um, the there was the Amazon show that pretended like that. Imagine what happened if the Nazis had won, right? right the High Tower, right. whatever it was called. The so High Tower. Yeah. Yes, I think um, I think there's a lot that is uncertain, but my the optimist in me wants to believe that uh, decency will prevail. But that really um, we need to be more honest with ourselves about our own inability to predict what somebody who is ten or fifteen today where they're going to take things. Well, um, and I think someone right now, I think one of the really interesting things to me is to open your minds, it, whether you're a woman working in the trenches along this continuum or a founder of color or someone see, seeing them, an ally, open your minds to the things that you don't see, that someone yeah. else's unique perspective lets you see. Like I think about um, in the, and in we the see AI more of those space, now. right? Yeah, we see more. Who of those notices things. that the genomic data is mostly men? It's black, black women and black men. Who notices that our facial recognition yeah. technology does not recognize women? And you know, by the way, it's not just that it doesn't recognize women of color, it's that the majority of those databases were built with 30 year old women and younger, because yeah. that's the sort of beauty demographic. And so yeah. they do a terrible job recognizing women over 35. Yeah. Terrible, right? Yeah. So these are things where be open to the things that you don't see that someone else's view of the world makes possible. And the very big companies can be built from that making possible. Amen. Well, Amen. we have <laughs> circumnavigated this topic um, with our three questions. Uh, and I appreciate uh, your, your guidance and support and friendship and um, partnership in this conversation. And I know that, um, you know, we're just beginning to have this conversation. So it's the tip of the iceberg. So thank you. Thank you again. I'm your and, I fan, and I can't am wait so to see you for this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you.